Many of you have asked for it, and so I spent some of my paternity leave creating it, an introductory stoicism course. The best part? I've launched it using Gumroad's pay-what-you-want model. So if you want to pay $0, you can get the course for free. That's right, free. Learn more and enroll in the course by going to understandingstoicism.com. That's understandingstoicism.com. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical. Shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Prakaptan. Glad that you're here. It's Tuesday, and that means we're visiting another of Seneca's letters. This one is letter number five and is titled, The Philosopher's Mean. Mean to mean something like average or balance or middle way. In the mailbag episode we recorded yesterday, which you will hear on Friday, we answered a question about C.S. Lewis, or a quote from C.S. Lewis. We responded to a quote, and how this author once said that our charitable giving should, to paraphrase, put us very near to being in need of charity ourselves, or we're not doing enough. This is a bit of an extreme all-or-nothing position to take, and I often rail against nihilists for something not dissimilar. C.S. Lewis, of course, was of Christian faith and not a nihilist, so it might seem strange that I'm comparing this position to anything nihilistic, but hear me out. Nihilists say we're going to die anyway, so what does anything we do really matter? This leads pretty quickly to the world's most significant issue at the moment, I think, nihilistic hedonism. I don't think I need to get into that now, perhaps another time, but the takeaway is that if we don't live forever, then what we do ultimately doesn't matter anyway. Well, I think C.S. Lewis has done something similar in this quote that we're referring to. If we're not giving away all of our wealth, then we're not doing, quote-unquote, enough. I could go on for a very long time about this, but instead I will simply say that one can give all their money and have absolutely no meaningful impact on anything other than how pleasant they feel about themselves. For my part, I find it a little short-sighted that C.S. Lewis believes money is a solve for anything other than having no money. And having money when you had none can be helpful in some regards, but to think that it would solve things like evil, drug addiction, mental health issues, war, or any other number of things is idealistic silliness. It's probably flatly ignorance. 
That's not to say that money has no benefit when donated to organized causes, for example, but I am saying that money improves very little without the virtuous intentions of individuals driving choices directly related to what to do with that money. In any event, this discussion led me to choose this letter from Seneca, and I think before I go on too much longer, I should just get to the letter, and I will. Here's letter number five. I commend you and rejoice in the fact that you are persistent in your studies and that putting all else aside, you make it each day your endeavor to become a better man. I do not merely exhort you to keep at it. I actually beg you to do so. I warn you, however, not to act after the fashion of those who desire to be conspicuous rather than to improve by doing things which will rouse comment as regards your dress or general way of living. Repellent attire, unkempt hair, a slovenly beard, open scorn of silver dishes, a couch on the bare earth, and any other perverted forms of self-display are to be avoided. The mere name of philosophy, however quietly pursued, is an object of sufficient scorn. And what would happen if we should begin to separate ourselves from the customs of our fellow men? Inwardly, we ought to be different in all respects, but our exterior should conform to society. Do not wear too fine, nor yet too frowsy, a toga. One needs no silver plate, encrusted and embossed in solid gold, but we should not believe the lack of silver or gold to be proof of the simple life. Let us try to maintain a higher standard of life than of the multitude, but not a contrary standard. Otherwise, we shall frighten away and repel the very persons whom we are trying to improve. We also bring it about that they may be unwilling to imitate us in anything, because they become afraid lest they might be compelled to imitate us in everything. The first thing which philosophy undertakes to give is fellow feeling with all men. In other words, sympathy and sociability. We part company with our promise, if we are unlike other men. We must see to it that the means by which we wish to draw admiration be not absurd or odious. Our motto, as you know, is live according to nature, but it is quite contrary to nature to torture the body, to hate unlabored elegance, to be dirty on purpose, to eat food that is not only plain, but disgusting and forbidding. Just as it is a sign of luxury to seek out dainties, so is it madness to avoid that which is customary and can be purchased at no great price. Philosophy calls for plain living, but not for penance, and we may perfectly well be plain and neat at the same time. This is the mean of which I approve. Our life should observe a happy medium between the ways of a sage and the ways of the world at large. All men should admire it, but they should understand it also. You may say, well then, shall we act like other men? Shall there be no distinction between ourselves and the world? And I say, yes, a very great distinction. Let men find that we are unlike the common herd, if they look closely. If they visit us at home, they should admire us rather than our household appointments. He is a great man who uses earthenware dishes as if they were silver, but he is equally great who uses silver as if it were earthenware. It is the sign of an unstable mind not to be able to endure riches. 
But I wish to share with you today's prophet also. I find in the writings of our Hecato that the limiting of desires helps also to cure fears. Cease to hope, he says, and you will cease to fear. But how, you will reply, can things so different go side by side? In this way, my dear Lucilius, though they do seem at variance, yet they are really united, just as the same chain fastens the prisoner and the soldier who guards him, so hope and fear, dissimilar as they are, keep step together. Fear follows hope. I am not surprised that they proceed in this way. Each alike belongs to a mind that is in suspense, a mind that is fretted by looking forward to the future. But the chief cause of both these ills is that we do not adapt ourselves to the present, but send our thoughts a long way ahead, and so foresight, the noblest blessing of the human race, becomes perverted. Beasts avoid the dangers which they see, and when they have escaped them, are free from care. But we men torment ourselves over that which is to come as well as over that which is past. Many of our blessings bring bane to us, for memory recalls the tortures of fear while foresight anticipates them. The present alone can make no man wretched. So I actually don't want to interpret this one today in the episode because I think it's too rich with potential different vantage points and takes. So I would prefer to put that responsibility over to you, the interpretation that is. If you listen on Spotify, you can answer the question below this episode within the Spotify mobile app. And I hope you'll do that. There's a lot to what Seneca has said here. And I think it's one of his better letters, in fact. It's another reason why I chose it today. But I want to dive into this question of wealth in relation to Stoicism and intentional poverty, a la Diogenes of Sinope, perhaps in an upcoming fireside chat with Kai. But for the time being, let's just think on our own and answer the question below this episode within the Spotify app. I want to know what you took from this and how you feel about it in general. You can also share your views in the Discord if you feel up to it. You can find that at stoicismpod.com forward slash Discord, free to join. There's always a link in the show notes of every episode. And that is it for today. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. I thank you for listening to this episode. And until next time, take care.